values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. How do we salvage the American economy? There is some good news here in the Phoenix area, mixed with some bad. Um, When you look at what's happening, the eviction rates in Phoenix have climbed. Metro Phoenix evictions climb again. Judgments against renters at the highest since the Great Recession. Landlords evicted 6,685 renter households last month in Maricopa County alone. That's up from 6,500 in August, and that's the highest monthly tally since 2008. The average judgment against Against Phoenix area tenants, what their landlord is owed per eviction is around $3,337.50 on average. They're owed about 30, over 3300 bucks For 2021, that was an average of about 32 In 08, it was seventeen fifty. So that's the bad news. But we know that rents are coming down. It's cooling off in the rental market. We know the home market is cooling off a little bit. It's a mixed bag when buying, though, because interest rates have climbed a bit. So it's harder because, you know, that your your whether or not you qualify for a loan has to do with income. It has to do with debt that you hold. And, and the they have a metric that they use, uh, a, 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 a mathematical uh, equation that – decides whether or not they believe you have the financial means to pay that mortgage. And that's what it all boils down to. Can you make the payment? You've shown, let's say your credit score shows that you've been a very good uh, a, a very good person as far as paying your bills. You have a pretty high credit score. You've got a really great history of paying your bills. But if they believe that the home payment that you're trying to qualify for when you factor in price of the home and interest rates and insurance and taxes and everything else, that you're not going to be able to make that payment, they're going to deny you. And part of the problem is with the higher interest rates, it increases your payment to a point where people don't believe you can make it. So it's difficult. How do we salvage all of this? That's what everybody is trying to do. And how important is this? Uh, this is uh, a Galen Drew from ABC, and it shows what the, this is a poll that talks about what voters are interested in in this election cycle. New polling out from the New York Times and Siena College shows that 44 percent of Americans say that the economy or inflation is their number one issue this fall. Second to that, it drops dramatically. Abortion, 5 percent. Then after that, it's immigration at 5 percent, crime at 3 percent. So it, it's it's the economy, stupid. That's what it's always been. It's the economy. This also another report from ABC. What is motivating voters to go to the polls? Generally speaking, they say they are most concerned about the economy and inflation. That's nothing really new. Um, but you also see some of them who are motivated by issues like abortion, of course, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Democrats in particular say that's a particularly motivating factor on the Republican side. Issues like public safety and crime and immigration are driving them to the polls as well. So when this happens, when you when you're looking at what the focus becomes and the worse things continue to get for people, the more expensive goods continue to be. And and I'm going to be as fair as I possibly can to everybody out there that says this has nothing to do with the policies of the president of the United States. I'm going to give you any for the sake of this moment of this argument. I'm going to say, okay, let's say you're right. Doesn't matter. He's the leader of the country. The expectation of making it better for the American people is what we have. There were a ton of promises made by this president, and a lot of them he's kept. And this is where I go down the road of saying his policy decisions have contributed a great deal to the inflation we are feeling here in the U.S. 
from his stance on spending money with this uh, Recovery Act and uh, all these other things he's done and um, – the Inflation Reduction Act, which was a green energy bill, to his stance on green energy and climate change, which has led to decisions against the fossil fuel industry. Um, and these, these are not short-term problems, by the way. This wasn't a, a short-term problem with the energy sector. You're talking about a dramatic change. He is heading us down a road that many people think is necessary, but it is taking us down a road that is going to be huge expense to the average American, period, end of story, and they all see it. So whether you think it's fair or it's unfair, it's how it goes. The Bush presidency, if you look what happened on 9-11, the Bush presidency took a huge uptick in popularity. George W. Bush was an immensely popular president for a, for a number of years, for a couple of years, I believe it was. The, then we had the war in Iraq. We had other things happen. Protesters came out, and then his support began to waver. Now, he beat John Kerry handily in, in the election by, you know, by American standards. He won pretty handily in, in the re-election campaign. But by the time he was done with office, his poll numbers had tanked. Why? Because of the Great Recession that happened. Happened going into 08 in the election year. People vote with their wallets. And if you go look at the news articles from back then, they directly connected the policies of the Bush administration to what happened in the real estate market, and they affect, and his poll numbers were in the tank. It was so bad that what the Barack Obama campaign was able to do, and I think it was a brilliant political move, was they tied John McCain to the hip of George W. Bush. And they said the McCain economy is just going to be more of the same economy you're going to get that you've gotten from George George W. Bush. Is that fair? Was that fair to say about John McCain? No, it wasn't. Was it effective? It absolutely was. So when you hear statistics like this, it's frustrating from someone like me that watches, you know, when you're a fan like I am of football and you watch the abysmal product that the Cardinals put on the field last week, you're screaming at the screen. I know I'm not qualified to be an NFL head coach. I'm not qualified to be on an NFL sideline. I know the game of football well enough, so it sounds like I know what I'm talking about, but I don't have the qualifications to be an NFL coach. But I'm screaming at the abysmal product that I'm seeing on the field and what I believe needs to change to fix it. The American people are doing the same thing. We don't know anything about being president of the United States. We're standing off to the side. We're watching what's happening and we're listening to people. Now imagine, I want you to imagine if after the game last week, if their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, had went to the microphone and said, what are you talking about? We played great. We had a couple of bad breaks. We know that. Referees weren't as good as we wanted them to be. We had some players go down. But my gosh, you look at how great we are. We are a great football team. We would lose our minds as fans if that was the message that came from the head coach. We've got an economy on the brink here in the U.S. Everybody's talking about a huge recession. There's a headline about trillion-dollar tailspin in 401Ks, and the president of the United States is eating ice cream and telling everybody our economy is strong as hell. It's the same message. If Michael Bidwill, the owner, uh, or, or Steve Kime, the general manager, or but especially the head coach of the team, were to go to the microphone after a loss like that and tell the people in Arizona that there's nothing wrong with the franchise, everything is going great, they've just had some bad breaks, we would lose our minds as fans. 
And if you look what they're doing now in Washington, the same thing is happening. We're losing the game. The reports are still bad. Inflation's at a 40-year high. And the president stands there eating ice cream and telling the American people, hey, we're doing great. Yeah, we've had some bad breaks with Russia and Ukraine and oil prices here and the pandemic and supply chain. They've caused us some problems, but we're great. And the American people are going, what country are you looking at? And this is the problem, the tone deaf attitude. What we'll do in a minute, we get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. We do it every day at 1120 and it's right around the corner. It's called Did You Hear This? Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about inflation yesterday. 18 months ago, when the president took office, inflation and gas prices started rising. Well, 18 months ago, uh, the president signed the American Rescue Rescue Plan more than uh, about back in April uh, of uh, 2021. Was the American Rescue Plan effective? <laughs> yeah, and rising in cost of things? Absolutely. Coincidence? I don't think so. The funny thing is, I know what she was trying to say. We all know what she was trying to say. But man, social media is brutal. So when they say inflation was going up, well, remember, we did sign the Inflation Reduction Act. That wasn't exactly uh, a, uh, a ringing endorsement for that program. So, But it was funny on social media. Yesterday, President Biden announced the launch of the student loan forgiveness application and called out the plan's opponents. And despite what the Republican officials say, we can afford, we're able to afford the student loan relief. It's because of our historic deficit reduction the Republicans voted against. On my watch, the deficit fell by $350 billion last year. Can the United States afford the plan? I don't know. We're going to find out. What I do find funny about that, a couple of things. First of all, 8 million people, 8 million people have signed up for debt relief. 8 million. That's just the beginning. But the funny part, I'm going to give you one of my favorite ways, another analogy. So let's say it's a married couple, and I'm going to be very sexist about this. They decide we need to reduce the amount of debt we have and pay down our credit cards. And then all of a sudden, your wife comes home, and she's got a Gucci purse. And you say, I thought we're paying off our debt. And you say, we can afford it. Look at how much we've already paid off on our credit cards. We can afford the Gucci purse. And I think a little bit of that's what's happening here. Can we afford this? Probably as Americans, we can afford it. Should we be doing this? Absolutely not. They are trying to drive down things. And right now, that's just not helping. I don't think it's the right thing to do. And I don't think it's helpful. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the biggest headlines. A new survey from 538 says what is motivating people to go to the polls. They say they are most concerned about the economy and inflation, but you also see some of them who are motivated by issues like abortion. Democrats in particular say that's a particularly motivating factor. On the Republican side, issues like public safety and crime. How could these issues sway undecided voters? 
I think that when it comes down to it, the big motivator is going to be the economy, as he said. These would be undecided voters. But I think what you're going to have to explain to people is what the issue really is and what you're going to do or not do about the issue. And uh, so I don't know how much abortion is going to sway things or crime and punishment. I have no idea in the end what effects that's going to be. In Arizona, I will say, I think the border is a bigger issue than it is in uh, non-border states. So I think it does get a bigger piece of the pie in Arizona. So I think in that regard, the Republicans do have uh, at least uh, in, I would say, generic ballots. They get the nod because they are seen better on the economy and they're seen better on the border issues. But this is going to be down to the wire and we're going to see which of these candidates in all of the statewides is able to drive people to the polls. That in the end, turnout, as it always is, is what's going to win this election for people. Representative John Cavanaugh talked to you today about his legislation that would pull funding from Arizona PBS. I think the only way that we take care of this is to separate this TV station from the government. Government has no business running TV stations. What are your thoughts on this legislation? I'll be honest with you. When we had Representative Kavanaugh on, I thought this is a knee-jerk reaction to a one-time bad decision by PBS. That's not to defend PBS, but let's be honest. They've been known as being fair. Uh, Ted Simons especially. I feel bad. I don't know Mr. Simons. I would love to meet him someday. I think he is a fair guy, and his reputation has been stained by this bad decision. Not just a bad decision, but the way it was handled was handled poorly. At first, when I heard Kavanaugh talk about this piece of legislation, I thought, you know what? This is a knee-jerk reaction to a one-off issue, and is it really something the legislature wants to take up? But the more he talked about it and said, listen, it's only $400,000 of their budget, and we shouldn't be running TV stations. They should be able to say and do whatever they want, but if they're going to do that, they should be completely separate from the government. And he kind of won me over on this. I don't think this is a bad idea. If you're going to have the dean that oversees this TV station, tweeting out anti-one candidate and pro-another candidate and then say you're running an unbiased TV station, that's fine. You can try to get away with that in the private sector, but you shouldn't be a government employee and being able to do that. And I'll give you an example. Police officers. Police officers are government employees. Police officers don't talk to the the press unless they're given permission by the PIO, the public information officers, and they don't espouse politically. That's another thing they're not allowed to do. They're government employees. They shouldn't be doing it. And he won me over with his conversation. All right. uh, That is Did You Hear This? Great job, Julia, as always. We'll do it again tomorrow at 1120. And uh, John Kavanaugh, if you want to go back and listen to the interview, it was a very interesting interview of why he's running a piece of legislation that would would take away state funding. And it's not going to cripple the television station. As he said, they've got a few million dollars in their budget. $400,000 is what they're talking about. But it would be a separation from the state legislature, from the state dollars and this TV station. And if that is what they're going to do, I think I don't think that it's a bad idea from anyone. And then it completely separates them. Let them run as a private entity and let them do whatever it is they want to do. Then I don't think that's a bad idea. Uh, coming up in a moment, we go back to talking about the immigration issue. I've been talking about it a lot today and the cooking of the books. We know that things at the border are bad. So how did they try to make them not look as bad? We're going to talk about that next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. It seems like a common theme. Um, we I've talked about 
often which is messaging and the way that we are being ignored. And I think a lot of Americans feel ignored here in Arizona. Yesterday, the story came out that the federal government is now saying that the governor w- uh, broke the law when they put up these structures in southern Arizona down in Yuma. And now uh, one of the tribes agrees with the federal government on this. And uh, this to me, I, I just I, I want the federal government to do something. If you think that the law has been broken, then go take those structures down. Let's see how that looks for your administration. Um, but again, the messaging and the optics matter, which is why they tried to make the numbers, which are abysmal for this administration, on arrests and deportation. There has been a dramatic drop. Now, there's been two million encounters at the southern border. We set a record for the number. Why are we seeing arrests and deportations go down? And so they try to make these numbers look different than they actually were. This was found out in a Freedom of Information Act request when they were trying to message it a different way. This is where people get upset. I don't know of anybody that expects perfection. I really don't. Um, Most of the people I know on both sides of the political aisle within their own party and with the other side of the aisle, they don't expect perfection in anything. What they expect is integrity. So when things are not going well, you have to acknowledge that they're not going well. Uh, I used the analogy the last time we talked about the economy of the Arizona Cardinals and saying that if Cliff Kingsbury, and I think the only thing that the head coach got right on Sunday was what he said about the team after the game was over. And if the head coach had gone on the air and pretended to, be, to believe that everything is just fine, the fan base would have lost their minds even more than they did at the abysmal performance on the field of the offense. The defense of the Arizona Cardinals is performing, which is so interesting, is that fans are not saying, get rid of the whole team, I'm never going to a game again. What they're saying is, we are squandering a really good defense with an offense that is supremely talented in the NFL and they're not performing that this team is not really good right now. And the head coach came out and at least acknowledged, you're right. We are not scaring anybody anymore with our offense. It's not effective. We have to make changes. Now, you can hear that for a long time, and if there's no results, people are going to want to make a change. But the acknowledgement is what is expected. And we don't see that from this administration. They, the vice president of the United States has gone on national television within the last few weeks and said our, our southern border in, is secure. Her exact words, the border is secure. No, it's not. And no one believes it is. And then the federal government with any acknowledgement of the border is to point its finger at a border state governor that's doing everything he can to do something about what's happening in Yuma, Arizona. And now they say, well, you broke the law. Well, then again, I would if I were the governor, I would say, if you think we broke the law, go take them down. You take them down. Let America, let the American people, the people of Mexico on the other side of the border, let the people in this country see you take structures down. And if you say that one of the reasons why you don't want those structures there is because it impedes your ability to finish off building legal structures in the in the gaps, then show up with your material and your manpower. And as you're getting to work filling the gaps, we'll take down the structures. But there's no way that they're going to do that. They, they, are, they are trying to make the numbers look different than they really are because they are getting beat up because what they're telling us is not the truth. But more than that, and this is what I've kind of harped on today and yesterday, more than that, what's happening at our southern border 
is a deterrent to people wanting immigration in this country. And I think that's sad. I think that is immensely sad that the American people are starting to, in bigger numbers, turn their backs on the idea of immigration into this country. The Statue of Liberty, that poem at the foot of the Statue of Liberty, talking about give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. It's an emphatic statement to the rest of the world basically saying give us your unwanted people and we will forge a great nation. I think that has been the beacon of America. You know, when, when Ronald Reagan called us the shining city on the hill, we are that. We should remain that. And one of the reasons why you're seeing good Americans, they're not racist, they're not xenophobic. One of the reasons why you are seeing people saying that we've got to slow down or stop immigration is because we have now called everybody that crosses our border a migrant. And messaging matters or else we wouldn't change it as often as we do. You know, years ago, uh, they were called illegals or illegal aliens. And then we called them undocumented aliens. Then we called them undocumented immigrants. Then they were undocumented migrants. And now everybody's just called a migrant. And it isn't true. There are people that are coming here that are breaking the law. Now, I know to some of you, and I, I, and I will tell you, you've got a viable argument with me. I understand what you're saying. That I don't – when you say, well, you're not taking into account the desperate situation, you're right. I'm not. I'm not taking in their desperate situation. I understand it. I've seen it with my own eyes. I have seen it with my own eyes. We do have to improve the system. There's no doubt about that. But that does not mean that we have got to take our existing laws of benevolence and kindness with our asylum laws in the U.S. and allow them to be abused the way they are being abused. We can't put our nation through it. We can't put the people that are coming here through it. The only ones that are being enriched, the only ones that are benefiting are the cartels. And instead of putting a stop to it, we have people cooking the books and changing the perception of the numbers or at least trying to message differently so it doesn't look as bad as it really is. Again, it's worse. So you tell me what would be worse. When you go to a doctor and you are ill, you are just – you are in a excruciating pain to hear the bad news about why you're in pain or to have a doctor tell you I don't know what's wrong or I don't think there's anything wrong with you because if you don't acknowledge a problem, then you're never going to try to fix it. If the White House plan on immigration and on the border is to – change the way you look at the numbers instead of trying to fix the problem we are in we're in it deep the vice president has been tasked she's done nothing and in the end and i mean this sincerely in the end what makes me the most sad and there's things that make me angry about it and frustrated but the sadness comes because we have Americans now saying that we want to reduce or get rid of immigration in this country, and we would be a, an entirely different nation if we didn't have a robust immigration process. That's my opinion. What immigrants to this country contribute and becoming citizens, and then they're no longer an immigrant. They are a citizen of this country, but people that have come here to be one of us. And I will also say people that come here for the benefit of our economy on a work visa, and I think we should expand that program. We should allow people to fill voids in the Arizona economy that could come across our border and do a great job. We should be expanding those programs. I think those immigrants are, are an asset to this country. But what we've done is we have tainted the word immigrant. We have made it out now to be migrant. We have now made it out to be the mixture 
of people that are coming into this country legally and illegally, and the American people are justifiably frustrated, and they're angry, and they want a solution, and they've got an administration, they've got a president, they've got a head of Homeland Security, and a White House spokesperson that are all echoing the same thing. Everything is fine. Nothing is wrong. We're doing our job. We're doing a good job over and over and over again. And it just isn't true. And it's frustrating to me, but it's sad because I celebrate immigrants. I I, I love to meet people that have come here and find out why they're here. What is it that drove you here? You know, what is it that makes you so upset with the nation of your birth that you would renounce your citizenship to become an American? I find it to be the biggest compliment I can get as an American to watch someone go through what it takes to become a, a, a legal and then a full citizen of this country. And to watch them take that oath and wave that American flag for the cameras, I think is a huge accomplishment for people. And I think it is Americanism at its greatest. And we've tainted it by calling everybody a migrant. We're not all migrants. Some people are illegal migrants. Some people are here doing it the wrong way. And if we don't, and it's not to, it isn't to denigrate them or slam them. It's to say we give credit to the people that did it the right way. And you can't call them all the same thing. And we shouldn't be. We definitely should not be. Uh, A funny story, a post uh, I want you to hear from USA Today on the economy. Um, I'm going to read it to you, but I'm also going to look for it and retweet it here in a few moments or put it back up on Instagram, whichever it is. I'm going to do that coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. A few minutes left in the show, and this is, um, for me, is hilarious. uh, To me, this is hilarious just because I'm a very uh, skeptical person, and and, uh, this, to me, is hilarity. So the USA Today, which I have nothing against the USA Today per se, but when we talk about um, slight biases in the media. I come on the air every day and tell you, hey, listen, I'm a Republican. I'm giving you my opinion from a Republican's point of view. Take it or leave it, love it or hate it. But this is an opinion-based show. I try to be factual. I bring stories and I comment on what I think of the stories. It's a different job. And it's not, I'm not a journalist. And I've made that claim and because, and I'll be very honest about this. I work for the first time in my career in radio, I am working with a room full of journalists. We have journalists here, and that's not to denigrate anybody else I've ever worked with, but I work with a great news team, and they are phenomenal at what they do. They are excellent journalists, and I'm not one of them. I don't do what they do because I don't want anybody confusing what they do with what I do or the other way around. That's why I make the distinction. I am not a journalist. That doesn't mean I don't think I'm telling the truth. I'm being honest, but I'm giving a lot of my opinion. And I always give the caveat of where it's coming from because I want, you know, even if you can figure it out, I acknowledge I've got a big bias. I have a political bias like everybody else does, and I bring it to the table every day. This is hilarious because the USA Today is – they're journalists. How about this? What, what's, what's left out of this statement? What is left out of this headline? This is from the, an Instagram post. How the pandemic and war – have changed the prices you pay, prices you are paying. 
Increase over the past year. Butter and margarine up 32.2%. Flour and prepared flour mixes 24.2%. Other dairy-related products 20.8%. Cereal 17.7%. And frozen vegetables 16.6%. How the pandemic and the war have changed the prices you are paying. That's straight from the White House. There's not a word in this headline about policy. There's not a word in this headline. No. Instead of it saying how inflation has changed the prices you're paying, they're blaming it on the pandemic and the war alone. To me, that's hilarious. I know to a lot of you, you don't think it's a big deal. But that just is uh, that points to me and says, OK, you want to call me politically biased for hanging. And I come on the air and say, not everything's the president's fault. Is the pandemic, did that play a role? Sure did. Did the war? Absolutely. Sure did. The war affected the food we eat because so much of the world's wheat comes out of that region. I've said it 20 times if I've said it once on this show. That doesn't mean that the White House policies did not contribute dramatically to what we are seeing in the marketplace. It doesn't mean that the price of gasoline that has gone up so much had a big role in that price increase was the policies, is the policies of the Biden administration. But here you have a publication of journalists that blame it on the pandemic and the war alone. That to me is funny. Maybe you don't see the humor in it. I just look at this and see the hypocrisy whenever anybody yells at me about my bias. I come and I explain every day this is what I do. I am a biased person. You're getting my political opinion. I don't hide it. I don't hide behind journalistic integrity and say, nope, I'm just giving you the facts. That's an opinion. If that headline was going to be an accurate uh, headline of, of indifference, of unbiased headline, it would say how inflation has changed the prices you are paying. And it would show you that these prices were going up. They took a stance. I just think it's hilarious. And uh, anyway, I got it on Instagram. I may share it, but without the background of why I'm sharing it, it doesn't make any sense. But I just thought it was interesting. We all talk so much about the economy. And what's funny is the political people out there that are listening on the other side of the aisle, I'm going to get hammered on Twitter for this. And the people that agree with me are going to applaud me on Twitter for this. But the average American doesn't care. The average American just knows that they're getting hammered. Butter and margarine are up 32% year over year. Flour, 24 other dairy-related project products, 20. The cereal your kids eat, 17.7. Frozen vegetables, 16.5. And the average American is just saying the goods that I'm buying, the products that I am buying for my kids and my everyday necessities are so expensive that I can't feed my family. And we're going to continue the political banter. It, it just I find it to be humorous because if I don't laugh, you're going to cry. But it is odd, I think. I think it is odd. We are just about out of time. You hear the music playing. So I want to remind you, if you want to jump on social media and respond or, or interact, you can find me at Broomhead KTAR on Twitter. Um, uh, that's my personal account. If you go to at Broomhead Show, that just updates you what we do on the show. It's going to tell you about guests we have and things we're talking about on the show. So follow those two accounts. But at Broomhead KTR is how you reach me personally. Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram, no dots, no dashes. That's my account as well. We can interact there. Our show begins at just about 8 o'clock. So if you want to join me tomorrow, I'd love to have you with me. Until then, have a great day. God bless.